Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened Podcast. I'm your host, Mikkel. And I'm Bill. You can find us at almostawakened.org. That is almostawakened.org. So what is the Almost Awakened Podcast? Well, Mikkel, having spent a ton of time diving into human development, human behavior, having deconstructed unhealthy systems and communities, and having built a vibrant, healthy community where authenticity and vulnerability matter. We want to share with you what we've learned, point you to good books, provide you with tools and resources to help you awaken, and share with you our experiences in shadow work, in recognizing our ego, and working to reduce its impact. So buckle up. Sit back as we lean into being awakened. At least, almost awakened. And now, onto what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. This morning, we're going to talk about the purpose of life. I figured since we talked about death last week, this would be a good follow-up. I uh, had to think about some of those things we talked about in terms of death, Mikkel, because I went in for surgery this week. The listeners are going to notice that I don't sound right. I sound like I've got a cold. I don't. I actually feel really good. Uh, But I went in for surgery this week to get my septum straightened, to get some bone that was blocking my breathing and my nose removed, and to have this new procedure done. It's an old procedure where they take this little tube that balloons up and they balloon up your sinuses. But in the last few years, they've gotten extra good at this, and they can go back further and uh, open up your eustachian tubes. And my eustachian tubes have never worked. So I've had tubes in my ears, and when we all hang out together at parties at uh, the famous pool house, uh, I get in the pool and I can't go under the water or else I get an infection. And I was starting to get infections more regularly, and so went to see the ear, nose, and throat doctor, and they said, here's what we can do. We can go in, you've got some issues with your sinuses, your nose is blocking a lot of your breathing. I also have COPD and sleep apnea. I wear the face mask at night and sound like Darth Vader. And uh, they said they could go in and and kind of fix all this stuff with my nose and my breathing and my eustachian tubes. And I've had surgery like 10 times in my life, Mikhail. How many times have you had surgery, by the way? Probably about that. Yeah. And so every time you get knocked out for surgery, it's it's somewhere in your head like, you know, maybe I don't wake back up. Maybe this is it, you know? And, I've never uh, thought that, but... You never, you're, you're always like, I'm coming out of this. Yeah. Every single surgery, I'm like, oh, I'm probably dying. So I'm in the room, <laughs> the lady closes the curtain, and she's asking me to get changed. So I change into the gown with the open back, so my ass is showing. And uh, I lay in the bed, and all I'm doing is just crying. I got tears coming down my eyes. I'm <laughs> texting every one of my kids and my wife and my friends, and I'm telling everybody, I love you guys, you're all special. And <laughs> if I don't come back from this, then just know that I loved you. The surgery went great. But, I didn't uh, get one of those. You, you didn't get one. Of, yeah, I was messaging you and Kelsey. I didn't get a text saying that you loved me. And if you didn't come back, I got your microphone. I, I said you guys were the best of friends. Okay. That's all I was sending. I sent my kids more of the love stuff. You didn't all get as right. much love. I'm sorry. 
That's all right. Keep going. Okay. So, so here I am. Okay. Um, so I'm on this table. I'm crying. I'm messaging my kids. I'm messaging my wife. I message you guys. And, uh, I'm just like, uh, maybe I don't make it. Maybe this is it. This, this could be the end of it. Well, I come out of the surgery. Surgery's great. And now I've got these splints in my nose. And there's this other thing I got to do where I got to take this bottle of water with like a saline solution in it. Oh yeah. And I got to hold it up to my nose and squeeze it. Yeah. And it takes like all the blood clots and everything and they run through the other nose or they run out my throat into my, out my mouth. And so I'm spitting out these blood. It's just the most disgusting thing in the, on the planet. And I was just gagging this morning. Um, mm, anyway, thanks for sharing that. It's been, it's been a lot of fun uh, the last few days. So if the listeners wondering why I sound this way now, you know. Um, but as I was sitting there on that, I I was thinking like, have I accomplished everything I need to accomplish? What are your What are your thoughts on like the purpose of life? Like, what is your purpose of life? So it's been interesting because this these last couple of weeks have been really hard. You know, with Kelsey being gone on her trip, and then this week we've had kids, and there's been so much going on. Um, some of it I can talk about, some of it I can't, but just as I, as I thought about that, you know, your, your comment of saying that you still had so much left to do, like, why? Why do I have so much left to do? Yeah. Like, why do I have to accomplish something else before I die? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm not ready to die yet. So if you keep giving yourself things to do, if you keep saying, like, these are the things I want to accomplish, whether it's grandchildren, whether it's a job, whether it's a hobby, whether it's something you do to make the world a better place, I think giving yourself a purpose allows you to plan into the future and and not be content, like, oh, if I go today, it's okay. But see, I think that that's part of living in the moment. If we're always planning for the future, how can we really appreciate what's happening right now? Yeah, I just don't want to die right now. I... I, I <laughs> I'm 40 years I hear old. You. I just, you know. <laughs> I hear you. I'm I'm not saying I'm not encouraging death by any means. I'm just just want people to start thinking about um why why do we need a purpose? Um and so as I've thought about that this week, um Kelsey and I were talking and and uh one of the things that I was thinking about is you know, we often make the joke in our group like don't be a dick, right? Don't don't be a jerk. Don't be a dick, don't be a jerk. Be nice to people. Um, and for me, I think that the purpose of, of my life is to try and be the best human being that I can be. And that's going to look different for me than it is for somebody else. And um, it's been really just interesting to sit and think about, you know, because Kelsey was saying, um, I had said, well, you know, I think it's really important that we help one another and that we be kind to each other. And she was, she asked the same question, like, Why? If there's if there's nothing after death, then why do we feel like we need to be good human beings? So the first thing that comes up for me is this idea that if there's nothing after death, like when I was a kid, I, I didn't have any religious beliefs. I didn't put much thought into God. And I was kind of just uh, flying by the seat of my pants. I was a C student. I wasn't getting a lot uh, done in terms of high positivity in school, but I also wasn't failing either. And I really didn't have any purpose. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll be a teacher. Maybe I'll be a lawyer. Maybe I'll be an electrician. Like, I don't care. And I was just going through the motions of getting up every day, put my pants on and going to school. And Thank goodness you wore pants. Yeah, thank goodness I put my pants. For all of you out there, thank goodness that I put my pants on in the morning. Um, And then when I'm 17 years old, I come into contact with religion, a specific religious system. 
And that system tells me, as, as all religious systems do, one of the things they thrive on is giving us a purpose, giving us this thing, like this is what we are to be doing for all of mankind to help to help out God. But and it's so, a purpose that, that like ties into your afterlife, right? It's, it's not just be a good human being because that's the, a good thing to do. It's be a good human being so God is happy. Yeah, and it's it's serving each other. It's giving a certain message to everybody else on the planet and trying to help save all of mankind. Uh, in our religion, there was things to do for both the living and for the dead. And so you had places to go and places to be and certain times to be there so that you could get these things done so that mankind could be saved. And for the longest time, that really filled me. It gave me everything that I needed to be happy in life. And when that came crumbling down, I had to kind of refigure out, like, what does my identity look like? What is my purpose? What am I doing? Um, and, and there was some time kind of deconstructing and reconstructing that. Uh, but just maybe to make notice that for many people, this invisible thing that they believe in with absolute certainty gives them the purpose that motivates them to get up in the morning and to do things. And then for those of us on the other side of that, who have let go of that certainty, whether there's a God or not, whether there's a spiritual something or not, doesn't matter. We've let go of the certainty of what that looks like. And so I think we're all kind of having to reevaluate what our purpose is. Yeah. And it's interesting because for me, I find that there are times when um, letting go of that thinking and, and those old beliefs is easy, and there are times when not having that certainty uh, is is difficult. Um, it can be hard. Yeah. So I want to talk for a moment just to go back because you mentioned you know Kelson on this backpack trip in the last episode we did on death and dying, which was already kind of putting an emotional damper on positivity. And and I could tell you were a little emotional. Your girl's off doing this thing. Um, talk about maybe her coming home and and what that was like because I think that'll tie maybe into a little bit of of the the ups and downs, the the things we do and the things that fail and, and how life just has this ebb and flow to it. So it was really interesting because while she was gone, I had to do this work training. And one of the things that we did at this work training um, that was in some ways really good, but super hard was we were given this book called Hope for the Flowers by an author named Trina Paulus. And this book is about um, caterpillars and they they hatch from their egg and they just start eating and and they really have no purpose to their life. They just feel like, you know, eating and being a caterpillar is all that there is. And um, this one caterpillar, they call him Stripe because he's black and white striped, starts crawling towards a new area and he sees all of these other caterpillars and he he's not sure what's happening, but he f- starts following them. And... Um, as he's following them, he starts asking questions like, what are we doing? And why is everyone doing this? And what's happening? But no, none of the other caterpillars have any reason. They're just doing it because that's what everybody else is doing. And he gets to this huge caterpillar pillar is what they call it. And he sees thousands of caterpillars and they're just climbing on top of each other because they think that their purpose is to get to the top, top of this caterpillar pillar. But nobody can see what's at the top. And... Along the way, he he starts to feel a little bit bad because he's stepping on other caterpillars, trying to get higher, and not really knowing, again, why he's doing this. And along the way, he meets this other caterpillar that's yellow. And they start talking to each other, and as the story goes along, they decide that 
climbing is pointless because nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what, what to do. So they climb down the pillar and it talks about them just having fun and they love being together and life feels really good for a while. And it pissed me off when I read this book because Kelsey was gone. She was climbing a stupid caterpillar pillar. With no purpose, right? Like in your no mind, purpose. like, hey, yeah. you're just climbing something to climb it. Right, right. <laughs> it was so hard. I'm bawling reading this book at this work training. I'm like, Kelsey's gone. And um, my coworkers are looking at me like, what in the heck is wrong with her? So anyway, Stripe and Yellow get down. They, they're having fun, but Stripe feels really unfulfilled. And he really wants to figure out what's at the top of the tower. And Yellow feels like something else is coming, even though she doesn't know what it what it is yet, but she doesn't feel the need to climb the tower like Stripe does. But she lets Stripe go. She lets him do what he needs to do. And meanwhile, she meets a caterpillar that's turning into a butterfly. She meets a caterpillar that's in a cocoon. And um, she just feels this feeling inside where it's like, this, this is what I've been waiting for. Even though it makes no sense, she has no clue how to become a butterfly. She just has this inner knowing that this is what my purpose is. And so she's, she's talking to this other caterpillar as he's making his cocoon. And, and um, she starts to ask him, um, how can I believe there's a butterfly inside you or me when all I see is a fuzzy worm? How does one become a butterfly, she asks pensively. And this caterpillar says to her, you must want to fly so much that you are willing to give up being a caterpillar. You mean to die, Yellow asked. Remembering there were so there were some caterpillars that um, fell off of the caterpillar pillar and were squished and died. So she says, "You mean to die?" Remembering the three who fell out of the sky, and the other caterpillar answers. He says, "Yes and no. What looks like you will die, but what's really you will still live. Life is not changed, or sorry, life is changed, not taken away. Isn't that different from those who die without ever becoming butterflies?" And so as I read that book, and and thought about purpose, I think it's different for every single one of us. And we get to decide what that looks like. And it's going to be different from what other people think or expect. And when Kelsey came home, in some ways, I was so happy that she was home. So happy. It had been a long week. Um, But there was still this part of me that didn't understand why she had to go. And we talked about that, you, me, and Amanda on Sunday. And I still don't understand. Right. But, but the book, which points to a lot of, I think, depth in, hum, in human life, is the idea that sometimes you and your partner have different needs and wants, and, and your partner feels a need to go do something. And uh, on, on some level, we have to let each other have kind of our own hobbies and our own things to do. And sometimes it involves a, a week-long back tra- a backpacking trip. And sometimes maybe it involves that person sitting on a couch and crocheting while the other person has no interest in that. And, and the other thing that catches, so, so in your story, which by the way, I loved the book when I was over at your house and you were showing me the illustrations, the story just seems really deep. This idea that these caterpillars are climbing this pillar and they have no idea why they're doing it, but it's what we do. And it, and it reminds me of the first half of life when we just kind of grind out, doing our job, going to work, raising a family. And we just know this is what we're supposed to do. This is the thing we're supposed to do. And at some point, like, it just doesn't feel like that's 
all of our life. It doesn't feel like those labels are us. Like, yes, I'm a dad, but I'm a dad for some of the time. And I'm not just a dad, and a dad doesn't define me. And so, like, this idea of the first half of life, of spending our energy in places that the that the community or the people tell us that we're supposed to be doing, and then finding some other thing to do, I think you're hitting on it, which is our purpose changes. The purpose of life is, is whatever it is for us right this moment. When right. I was 10 years old, my purpose was something different. When I was 20 years old, my purpose was something different. Here I am 40 years old, and, and my purpose is something different. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting thought. And, um, to kind of finish out the story. So yellow takes the time to become a butterfly. She's worried about what happens if stripe comes back and he doesn't find her, but she feels like this is what she's, she needs to do. This is, she's just got this inner knowing. And so she meanwhile is turning into a butterfly and stripe keeps climbing and in, in the beginning of the book, he was looking at other caterpillars. He was trying to make a connection and, um, that's when he met Yellow and, you know, they never reached the top. But this time around, he's so determined to reach the top that he decides he can't look at any other caterpillars. He just has to get to the top. And he's he's stepping on other caterpillars. He's pushing them. He's shoving. He's doing whatever he can to get to the top. And he, he gets almost to the top and he hears some whisperings um, from other caterpillars that are at the very top. And the whisperings are that there's really nothing at the top, but they can't let the caterpillars at the bottom know, otherwise they wouldn't have a tower. There'd be mutiny. And and he also sees the people at the top, the caterpillars at the top, throwing other caterpillars off. And that's how those three in the beginning of the book died, is they got to the top, but they were in the way, and they got thrown off. And And he's like, what have I been doing? And so he's sitting there, trying to get back down, but he's kind of stuck in this mush of caterpillars. And all of a sudden he sees this yellow butterfly and it's like she's she's trying to co- trying to communicate with him, but their language is different now. And he, he has this inner knowing that it's got to be yellow just based on the way that she looks at him. Anyway, that he ends up getting down and she she tries to show him how to make a cocoon and he starts to awaken to his purpose that there's more to life than being a caterpillar. And um, the end of the book, you see you see him turn into a, to a butterfly and it says the end or the beginning. And I think that, that that is like us. Sometimes the purpose of what we've been doing ends and we get to have a new beginning. Yeah, and I've felt that numerous times in my life. This, this summer... We, we had all of our kids, my, my oldest had graduated a couple years ago. My second oldest had graduated just this past year. She had moved in with her brother and his wife. We've got a grandbaby on the way. It's our first grandbaby that'll be here in October. So that that is something completely new. We had our house be empty, and the, except for our youngest kid, who's just so laid back. And uh, just this last week, our second youngest, Natalie, uh, she comes home. And, and, and if I can just be a little vulnerable here, Natalie has some, some emotional issues and she's a little more high maintenance. And so coming back into our home this week, we've already had just a ton of tension that we hadn't had all summer long. And what I, what I find fascinating is at some point this summer, I was like, man, this life is just 
as good as it can get. Me and my wife have a lot of free time. Any night, any of our friends are calling up and saying, let's go do something on the weekends when all of our friends would get together. We're available. And now suddenly we've got another kid back in our house and I can sense like, oh, it, it isn't as smooth and as perfect as it was three weeks ago. And that's no negative comment to my kid. Like all of our kids are different. They have various kinds of needs. And and because of uh, who this child is, it just adds a little more tension to our home. And so things aren't what they were. Like life is always changing. I'm always thinking, Mikkel, like right here, right now, I just want time to stop. And I want things to stay they, they are, the way they are right this moment. And what we don't realize is even from minute to minute, our lives are changing. And sometimes it's drastic. Sometimes there's a health issue or a car accident or a marriage or a divorce or a funeral, whatever it is, and life changes drastically. So when this grandbaby comes in October, that's going to be a major life change. But even in the last week, just a kid coming home from spending the summer in Ohio is changing life. Life is always moving and rearranging. There's an ebb and a flow. There's good and there's bad. And so part of, I think, the purpose of life and I'll say like my personal purposes, as you talked in the beginning, don't be a dick to other people, make the world a better place and be happy and have fun. But, but even that it looks very different from moment to moment, day to day, week to week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's one thing that I was going to touch on too, is that it changes so much. And so we just have to learn to, to accept the things that are thrown at us. Um, as best as we can. And sometimes that's going to be really amazing. We're going to rock at it. And sometimes we're going to be really shitty. Uh, You talk about Natalie coming home and, you know, Kelty and I have kids a week on. So for a whole week, all of the kids, there's six of them between the two of us, five that live at home. We have all of them at once. And it's been a rough week. It's been so rough. I love my kids. I love my kids. I love Kelsey's kids. But sometimes it can be so hard to just get through the day-to-day moments. And then you you add in work stress and the kids are getting ready to go back to school and like all of the little things that life throws at us, right? Sometimes it can be really hard to remember that there's more to life than just those day-to-day moments and that we're going to make it through those day-to-day moments. Yeah. And Maybe to tie this in, as I'm thinking about my kids um, and thinking about some of the stuff we're dealing with, our our second oldest, again, she just moved out of the house recently. And sometime back, there was a, a, a kind of a dinner that I got all of my kids together. And I sat down with them and I talked to them about my own life journey in the way of saying like, look, there were things I did really well as a parent. There were things I really sucked at. Here's what my life looked like then. Here's why it looked the way it did. Here were the things I struggled to handle. And here were the things that, you know, I, I, I handled really poorly and did this certain way. And as I'm having that conversation, my oldest, who's only two years older than a sister, my oldest is like, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. We all, none of us are perfect. We all mess up. And dad, you were a great dad, but yeah, you had your flaws. Um, and, and then my second oldest, Emily, she was really quiet. She didn't want to say anything. And you could tell she was emotional. She was, she was like tearing up and, but not crying, but it was close. And she just didn't want to talk about what her childhood was like. And so this last week, we've been asking her over the last few weeks, like reach out to us. Like your mom and dad are a safe space for you to be open and honest about what your childhood was. We're not going to be hurt or offended. And maybe we will be hurt, but we're not going to 
we're not going to use unhealthy mechanisms to deal with that. We'll just be honest about it. And so just yesterday, she finally does this. She, she sends us this long text message. And I want to read part of it because this is speaking to this kind of shadow work that you and I, I don't think I was doing this until I was 35 years uh, of age or older. And here she is. She's, a, she's an 18-year-old kid, and she's already learning some of these things that took me forever to learn. She goes, you have to sacrifice what you, what you want and need for your child. It's called being a parent. I was upset with you guys, not because you wanted to have fun and party with your friends, but because I needed you guys and you chose your friends. Yes, I honestly didn't like growing up being raised. It was ugly. I feel like I had it pretty rough. She talks about some of the struggles with some of her siblings, which I'm going to leave out. She says, growing up, you guys constantly fought and it sucked. Never knowing if I'm going to wake up one day and one of you guys not coming back. It's scary and sad. Going to church with disrespectful and rude kids, but also adults, thinking they can tell you what to do and where, talking to me as if they're my parent, telling me what to do. Dad always seemed like he chose to be angry, always letting tiny things bother him. We weren't allowed to play because we were being too loud. It seems like we were all fighting. Wow, Bill. Yeah, Dad choosing uh, to yell. It sucked the way I was brought up. It made me who I am today, a smart, strong, beautiful young woman. But I also had to prove my worth to others. I love you guys so much. Sorry, I just woke up feeling really hurt. And I'm just telling people how I feel about whatever situation. I don't know if that made sense, but I love you guys so very much. And and so my wife and I in this text message thread just sat with that. And we said, like, look, um, some of what you're saying, like, rings absolutely true. And other parts of what you're saying, the story in our heads is very different. So one of the things is that uh, this idea that my wife and I fought all the time, we really didn't, at least that's our story in our head, is that we got along really well most of the time. And once in a great while, we would have a fight and some of those fights would be pretty big. But generally speaking, we did we did get along well. But that's not her story. Right. And, and so in an earlier stage of life, when you're not almost awakened... You know your story is the right story, and everybody else's story is wrong. And now I'm to this place where I can sit with multiple stories at the table, and I can go like, maybe that's true and maybe it's not, but that's her story, and it's just as real to her as my story is to me. And so we sat yesterday, the three of us, in this text message, just owning some of those perceptions, honoring the other person's story while adding like, hey, that's your story, here's my story of how that looked. And then all three of us just going like, we love each other and we're sorry, and we've got to do better at this thing in terms of how we treat each other. It was one of the most mature conversations I've had, and here it is with an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, because like you pointed out a couple of things. It can be, it can be really hard to hear truth of someone else's story and sit with it. And then the other thing that, that I love about you and Amanda is that you, you know, here's Emily sharing, sharing what her story is and, and you guys sit with it, but you don't try and convince her that that's not the truth. You, you, does that make sense? Like you say, yeah, I hear those parts of it and here's what was true, but here's our story, but you're not sharing your story as a way to convince her that she's wrong about her story or that your story is more right. It's just, here's, here's both of our stories and they, they feel true to both of us, but how can we sit with those and love each other 
helping each other try and understand where the other person's coming from, I just think that that's really amazing and beautiful. And it's it's something that takes practice. Wouldn't you agree? Like, it's not something that's easy all of the time. I mean, maybe it is for you, but it's not for me. No, no, no. It, it's not easy. I had a hard time last night with some of this with a different uh, different kid of ours. But you're right. Like, I started off my response to her. I said, thank you for sharing and opening up. Here is my thoughts or the story in my head. I love you very much. The story in my head is that your mom and I didn't fight much at all, that we got along really well, minus a normal fight every now and then. Um, I said, I don't feel like we started hanging with friends until the last few years. So Will's experience, Will's two years older than Emily, Will's experience is very different. And Zach, who is like four years younger than her, is very different from you. I said, I'm actually not angry much in my head. I'm happy and always in a good mood, but I need order and structure to feel safe. Most of my negative behaviors I got from my parents, and I talked about nature versus nurture and not knowing which one of those it was. It's, it's just being honest about our shadows. Like We right. all want to portray to the world like, no, I'm perfect with my kids, and I do everything the right way. And the reality is, I think it's a shit show. Yeah. Um, and, and so just to be honest about that and how each kid is experiencing in some ways a really different life. Right, right. It's, it's crazy. Well, Bill, I was having a hard time waking up this morning. You know how it goes. You stay up too late partying or hanging out with friends. And then you've got to get up early to record a podcast. So what do we do in those instances? And on every other day of the week? Coffee. Red Roca coffee. It helps you and me as we're awakening in the morning. My favorite brew is Heathens or Good Mojo. And sometimes I like it hot. In the summertime, every once in a while, I'll drink it cold. Red Roca Coffee is a small family-owned business here in the United States. If you need a cup of joe to help you awaken, give Red Roca Coffee a try. We're sure you'll like it. We're sure you'll like it. That's Red Roca, R-O-C-A, coffee.com. When you place your order, put in the code AWAKE. A-W-A-K-E. You'll get a 10% discount, and you'll get free shipping on orders over $30. Check out Red Roca Coffee today. Again, Red Roca Coffee. For those times when you need help awakening. Um, I was going to share one of the things that Kelsey and I did this week. Um, we had kids this week, and like I said, it was, it's been kind of a rough week just because, like you've pointed out, each kid's different. They each come with different perceptions about how home life is or what's going on in their world. And oftentimes, you know, for the younger kids, they're not able to completely verbalize what they're feeling. Um, and so it just shows up as emotion. But one of the things that we did this week was... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Encircle House. Are you familiar with the Encircle House, Bill? I am. Uh, it is a uh, organization or a place in order to help uh, kids whose situation is um, less than desirable in terms of getting support from family and loved ones. Mainly focusing on LGBTQ youth and their families. So they have one in Salt Lake. They have one in Provo. And they are coming to St. George, which I think is super, super exciting. And I think it's going to be a valuable resource. So they, they purchased a home or, or how it was explained was someone purchased a home and then donated it to Encircle House. And it's downtown St. George and it's an old pioneer home, which I think is really cool. And on Tuesday night this last week, they had a demolition. Um, needing help getting old carpet and, you know, 
junk cleared out of it so that they could remodel it and get it ready to be a, a beautiful and amazing space for kids and families to go who need some resources. So I, I'm, I'm like you in some ways, but one of the things that I struggle with is taking my kids out when they're grumpy, when they're in a bad mood and they don't want to do something. It's easy to just leave them home and be like, fine, I'm out. I'll go do my thing. You can stay here and be grumpy. But I decided to make them come with me because I think it's important that we serve one another. Like I think that that's part of my purpose and, and should be all of our purpose is to help one another. We're all in this together. So we make the kids go and they ended up having a great time. But like serving one another, tell me what you're thinking. What do you think about that? So in, in the first half of life, I belonged to an organization where you had to, everybody would plan something like, okay, three o'clock next week, we're going to help the Jones move in. We're going to help the Franklins move out. We're going to do this thing. We're going to go see these people once a month and check in on them. Now it's more, I get to choose where and when I do that. Yeah. So it, it looks different. It looks like as I go through the week, I'm, I'm always having on my mind the people that I care about and love. I, so I reach out sometimes to friends and I'll just send a text message and say, I'm thinking about you and try to start a conversation and see how they're doing. Sometimes it involves showing up. We went to uh, you and, and Kelsey's house. Um, I don't know how long ago Helped this was. Helped move rock. Helped you guys put rock all over your driveways and, and um, places in the yard to kind of uh, landscape the place. And that was a ton of fun. And, and so now it's really more up in the air. If someone says like, hey, I've got a need, then let's do it. So just this week, as I'm telling everybody I had surgery, we had a friend reach out to us and said, what kind of cookies do you like? And I said, I like peanut butter cookies. Peanut butter. Oh, yeah. And so uh, this friend sent me a picture last night and said the first bath just came out of the oven and they look fantastic, oh. by the way. And so she's going to drop off cookies today uh, for awesome. me. And so it's just like being aware of what needs there are with those you love close to you and being aware of what needs there are in your community. Uh, you mentioned this in Circle House. Uh, I spent some time maybe six, eight months ago with a project called Youth Futures here in St. George. Oh, I love which, Youth yeah, Futures. Which is a youth homeless shelter. Uh, it's a home that these kids can stay in and be if they're out on the street. And so the Circle House and Youth Futures are kind of reaching this young demographic of kids who aren't getting support from their community. And both projects are just incredible. And so as, as we've kind of helped out with those, um, it's just fun and it feels positive. And as we go back to the original topic, I feel a purpose when I'm doing something productive that makes the world a better place. But I think the key that you kind of touched on, and it, it, it is for me, is that it's intentional. I don't feel forced. It's something that I'm choosing to do, not only because it feels right, but it's also benefiting the community. And I think that, that that's really important to my life purpose is benefiting, helping the community and those around me. Yeah, I get to pick now where and when and who I help, and it's not scheduled for me, it's not assigned to me, and it feels more real doing it that way. Yeah, it feels more genuine that way. I, um, I, I do have to add, though, you, you have to be careful when you belong to a, a system, and that system tells you when and where and how to serve and assigns it, it becomes easy to give a lot of your time and energy to helping the world. I think we have to be careful on this half of life that we don't get so caught up in our own lives now that we're in control of when and where and how we serve that we that we don't 
uh, that we keep ourselves from not serving. Like we need to be yeah. aware and make sure that we're at least giving some of our time and energy to bigger projects out there in our community and in the world. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it was funny when we were um, at Encircle, at the new Encircle house in St. George, um, one of the thing, like one of my quirky traits is that I remember people. I usually can remember names and faces and where I know them from. And I ran into a girl that I went to junior high school with. That's crazy. So you saw her face. Saw her face. And I. it's funny because I had seen her um, a year or maybe two years ago. I can't remember exactly when my youngest daughter was playing volleyball. It had to have been two years ago. And I didn't, like, I, I wasn't exactly sure if it was her. And um, anyway, she was at Encircle House with her kids and volunteering. And I went up to her and I was like, hey, what's your name? And she told me her first name. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I knew her last name from junior high. So I asked her if, if that was her last name. And she was like, yes, because she had no clue who I was. And so I tell her my name and she remembered because we rode the bus together in junior high school and we were on the track team together. And so it just was really cool to, to run into her again and to see her in that capacity. And um, we had connections that we didn't realize we had. And it just was really, really awesome. So for me, the other thing that the other point I was going to make is I feel like part of my life purpose is making connection and how important those connections are to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on this on this second half of life. My my relationships with people are so much more important. In in the first half, I wanted to be perceived a certain way and I wanted uh to portray myself a certain way. And and now that I'm on this side where I'm trying to be authentic, trying to be vulnerable, and I want people to see me and I want to see them and I want to see the messiness of who they are. And, and I think when that happens, we've talked about in other episodes, suddenly human relationship becomes, it becomes something different. And it, it's really cool when you, when you see people and you get to connect in various ways and build friendships or revisit old friendships as you did there, that uh, there's just something beautiful about human beings and and being in relationship with people and getting to share your life along the you know alongside various people that that are cool and interesting and and are good human beings. Yeah. And and just kind of going back to the book Hope for the Flowers and if if you've not read it or ever heard of it, I really encourage you to to check it out. It was written in like the 70s and um the book says it's a tale partly about life, partly about revolution, and lots about hope for adults and others, including caterpillars who can read. Um, just the, the book talks about, um, you know, the caterpillars stepping on each other and doing whatever they can to climb and that they don't really connect with one another. And in going back to the purpose of life, I think that there's a lot of time that we spend doing that. We, we're, we're climbing for no reason. We don't really have a purpose. We're just going about life because that's what everybody's doing. And so if you're not sure about what your purpose is or or what feels best for you, you should take time to evaluate. Like really sit down and think about, okay, why am I here? What do I want to accomplish and why do I want to accomplish it? And how can I do it without just following everybody else and stepping on others along the way? So. I want to ask you, I mean, you come from the same system I did. It assigned you the purpose of life. It gave you all the things to do to uh, have that purpose and to fulfill it. 
what was it like for you to transition away from that into kind of owning your own your own purpose of life? So it's interesting because as I was thinking back on my life, I I always wondered what the purpose of my life was. I never really felt settled with the answers that I was given. And so that was something that was always on the back of my mind, like no, that doesn't it does that doesn't feel right and that doesn't seem like that's what's for me. And after my near drowning experience in my late 20s, that question was at the forefront of my mind more often than not. And I really started to think about what my purpose was. And it's hard because there's there's so many things that are out there that are pulling your attention and that are trying to tell you what your purpose is. You know, I, I've done coaching programs and mentoring programs and spent a lot of money um, trying to figure out who I was and what my purpose was. And and that I, that's a question that I don't think I can answer with 100% certainty because, as you've pointed out, there's so much that changes, so much that changes day to day. And so for me, it's just a process of what does it look like today? What is it that I want to accomplish today? And what are some ways that I can do that? Because part of my life was so rigid in feeling like I needed to be perfect all the time and have it figured out all the time, that now I'm just in this process of trying to let things flow and not having a a set idea of how it needs to look. So one of the things I want to add to this is this idea that in some ways I want to recognize that I'm privileged. I live in a country where I'm free to get up in the morning and kind of do what I want. Absolutely. I, I don't have debilitating depression I don't have any severe disabilities that limit my functioning in the world. Except so, snoring. Except for snoring. And uh, and that does. That does limit some of the fun I want to have because uh, some people won't even be in the same <laughs> hotel room with me and my wife because of my snoring. So I won't name any names of who those people are. And um, we ought to recognize that there are places in the world where finding your purpose in life is going to look completely different and it's going to come with a ton more challenges. I, it also is important to note that there are people right here in this country who have uh, debilitating uh, issues or disabilities that severely limit what they can do. And, and so I want to recognize like their purpose sure. in life is going to look very different. Um, and I worry. I worry because my life is so smooth and good right now. I worry that if I were to have a severe health challenge... Or if I were to have some type of disability imposed upon me, how I would cope with that. Because it's easy to be healthy and say like, oh, life is good. Look how much fun it is. And, and then when new challenges come up that severely limit what you can do and how you do it, that may look very different. I, I just want to honor that that being happy and, and feeling purpose and uh, feeling motivated and having energy, those things may on some level, be deeply connected to uh, how healthy and able we are to carry out those things in this life. Yeah, thanks for thanks for remembering and speaking to that, Bill. Um, I also want to note, too, just a last thing that I've got kind of on my mind, which is in the first half of life, our brain operates differently. We're very black and white. We like rules and structure. We trust. Think- oh, go ahead. Do you think it's that way for everyone? Or do you think it's that way because of the religious system that we were a part of? 
Um, I think it's that way for everyone, but I think everyone wakes up at different ages. And so some 13, 14, 15-year-olds have entered the awakened state, and some of us don't figure it out till our 30s and 40s or 50s. So, so to notice that difference, but in that first half of life, I think we ought to grant that people do need structure. They do need systems. They feel like it will be chaos if they don't have those. And so to honor that those systems do fulfill that need on the first half of life, I just wish those systems knew how to get out of the way when we start to wake up uh, and be able to have control over things for ourselves. So what systems are you speaking about, Bill? Uh, Like religious systems? Religious systems, uh, um, systems in terms of... Uh, countries, systems in Hmm. terms of even family systems. Like sometimes our parents treat us like we are their kids forever and they never treat us like we're adults. And so I'll I'll just speak personally. My mom and my dad never trust my wisdom and they never see my voice as being uh, almost awakened. And so sometimes I'm offering an insight and they'll dismiss me or write me off Sure. because I'm their kid and they're my parent. And that relationship in some ways hasn't changed. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Lots of systems. Um, We're in systems all the time. We can't escape them. You're an American. I'm an American. Uh, That system comes with boundaries, rules, and limitations. Um, It also comes with privileges as well. Uh, Any closing thoughts? Anything else from you? Any kind of area you want to go into in terms of uh, the purpose of life? No, I again, just don't be a dick. Be kind to people. Do what you can to figure out your own life purpose and help other people uh, along the way. I think that that's kind of key for me. Yeah. And, and I want to note, listeners, it, there's a couple of places this podcast is available to you. We would like, we would love if our listeners subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher or any other third-party podcast app. If you'll subscribe directly to the Almost Awakened podcast, Uh, also you can check out almostawakened.org, and there's tons of resources on the site, books that we're reading and thinking about, as well as all the episode audio there. And uh, we're just, I think I'm really enjoying this, Mikkel. I'm really enjoying these conversations, and they seem to be like what life is really about when we set all the, the nonsense aside. We're really getting at what it means to be a human being. Yeah, it's been super fun for me. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, there's certain things that kind of take me aback. Um, for example, one of um, the listeners was at Encircle House as well, and they had their kids. And my kids were kind of standing around me awkwardly as I was talking to this couple. And um, one of the one of the people said, hey, how does it feel to know that your mom's a celebrity? And I was like, mm, that, I'm not a celebrity, but they were a listener of the podcast. And my kids just looked at them like, what? Um, so hearing, hearing that people are listening is really, really cool for me, but I'm just a normal everyday person, no different than anybody else struggling with the same shit, trying to overcome my shadows. And some days I'm really rocking it. And some days I'm a shithead. Yeah. And that goes for all of us. Um, (laughs) goes for all of us. That's, I think that's the, that's what it means to be a human being. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast has been really fun for me as I, I start thinking, you know, it forces me to think about things that happen during the week and kind of what's on my mind and being able to share it is a way for me to process it. And um, I just hope that it's helpful to somebody else. Yeah. And and so next week, um, I want to talk about swearing. I want to talk about oh. swear words and cussing. 
um, the pros and cons of cussing, when it's appropriate, when it's not, what does swearing say about who we are? Um, I had somebody, and I'll, I'll tell yeah. you why I picked this subject. I had somebody, a, a family member, um, and I won't say who or where or what, but they put a post on Facebook that said every time I hear someone use a swear word, their IQ drops 95 points and they sound ignorant. And I fucking disagree with that, Mikhail. <laughs> I fucking disagree with it too, Bill. But I have to say that there was a time in my life when I believed that. Yeah, me too. And so we're going to get into that next week on the Almost Awakened podcast as we talk about bad language uh, and uh, what that fucking shit means. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> so with that, I, anything else? Yeah, I just wanted to share some reasons that I love coffee. Ooh, please. Are you tell ready? Me, yeah, tell me about coffee. By the way, I'm, I'm holding... My oh, Red Roca iced, iced coffee right here. I, I don't know why you like iced coffee. I mean, I do, but I would rather have it hot and scald my throat when I drink it. See, we're different. Yeah, in some ways. Tell me about your coffee, Mikkel. So, reasons I need coffee. This is a meme that I found, and it's, it's true. It tastes like hopes and dreams. Caffeine perks me up. Other people talk to me in the morning. Jail is a real thing. It's difficult to work if your eyes are closed. It helps me mimic socially acceptable behavior and strangers stare if you forget to put pants on. So. <laughs> My favorite is the last one and jail is a real thing. <laughs> well, and it helps me mimic socially acceptable behavior. So, Yeah, I've been to jail twice. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast yet. You have? I did not know this. Yeah, so I've been to jail twice and uh, jail, real? Is, jail is a real thing. Have, have we talked about this on the podcast? No, so I we, guess we're going to have to talk about we'll it. We'll have to. At some point, you're going to learn about the criminal history of Bill. Wow. So we can't wait. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on the Almost Awakened podcast. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and we're just looking forward to talking to you again next time. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, Email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman.